<laughs> Hi! All right, this is round two today because we yes. already tried to do the live video and of course it got screwed up again. The problem is with our with my computer when we're trying to do Facebook Live from the computer, it just doesn't want to work for some reason. So that's the technological answer is that it doesn't want to work. That's, what, that's how good we are <laughs> we're at going this. with that. It's yes. glitching. It's so much easier than to actually try and figure out why this is happening. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start this over, and this is episode three of What Your Friends Won't Tell You. Yes. Now, Shannon Thompson Jones, she's a licensed uh, clinical, clinical social worker. Social worker. <laughs> why don't you tell <laughs> people who you are? Boyd is a news <laughs> reporter <laughs> anchor for uh, 20 years. Yes, <laughs> that's what we do. But we're also, we started this this show, What Your Friends Won't Tell You, because we really wanted to help people with some of the challenges in their life. Shannon does a segment on CBS 12 on uh, the station that I work for called Ask Shannon, where she gives tools, but it's only two minutes long. And so she has to get all of that, you know, yeah. and she does a great job. But we wanted to do a longer version where we give people... Um, right. the, the ability to ask questions and get comprehensive advice. I think that's what this is all about. And real advice, things that maybe you won't hear from your friends. Yeah, the, your friends are not going to tell you this. <laughs> Money back guarantee. Hence the name of the show, <laughs> What Your Friends Won't Tell You. Correct. So right. today, we're hearing from Ashley. She wrote a great question. I'm going to kind of abbreviate it, but the gist of it is, how do you create more time with your spouse when you have young children um, that her and her husband, you get so disconnected, you forget why you're even together, and then they go to dinner and they fall in love all over again and they realize why they got married and they say, let's do this again next week, and then six, six months, months goes by <laughs> before they do that again. Yeah. So how do you do that? And then I love she adds some fun little questions like, um, are we just making an excuse about the money and, and babysitting being expensive? Are we avoiding intimacy? could be um and are we just settling for routine yeah yeah and so and you had said you know probably probably yes but i do want to just say that hannah is on right now live with us your daughter <gasps> hey, <laughs> did you see hannah! that hey hannah just hands. <laughs> so we just she just hannah just called and shannon's like honey i'm about to go live on facebook so thank you for joining us yes! on facebook hannah. and she's walking right now so be very careful <laughs> Walking and chewing gum, not something we do in our family very well. So let's talk about Ashley. What, let's talk um, about that. Okay. What did, um, so Ashley, um, I think has an issue, has an issue that a lot of new parents yeah. deal with and she's not a new parent, but no. she has young children. Young children. Um, and so I, I do think it's a little different with newborn. So this segment really is for people with that three and five year old, four and seven, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And you get disconnected and Suzanne and I are going to challenge you a little bit today in our gentlest, kindest way. We're going to call you lazy a yeah. little bit. Well, I think we all get lazy because we get in a routine. And she was saying in her, even her question, she said, you know, do we just get into this routine? And yes. we do because yes. it makes our life easier when yes. you're in a routine. But it also can prevent a lot of the um, fun and the intimacy that you have in your relationship. Right. And, and really, I don't know that lazy is the right word, but here's what I mean when I say lazy. We give our kids everything. Hannah, tune out for a minute. This has nothing to do with you, but children suck the life out of you, right? So 18 years of giving, 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 giving to our children, and we really try to put their needs first, and we should, and they need it, and it's what you do if you're a great parent, but then what happens at the end of the day, right? We come home, we have nothing left for our husbands, we have nothing left for ourselves, and that we're a little resentful about that, so I'm sure not giving anything to you, because I have nothing for me, and so we get lazy in that relationship 
And you think about it, I love that commercial where the guy comes in and he says, Dave, I'm not coming into work today, and Dave's a baby. Mm -hmm. That's a joke. We always show up as parents. We never say we can't show up. But then for our spouses, we say, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I have a headache. I don't really want to connect. I'm going to go to bed. You watch TV out here. I'll watch TV in there. And we get so disconnected. You know, when I was married, I'm divorced now, but when I was married, it was very important for us to always have our Saturdays, you know, and you can make it whatever day you want, but you know, we made it a priority that once a week that yes. it would just be he and I, and I have to tell you, there was a lot of drama with the kids and yeah. babysitters and you know, Elaine didn't want us to leave and you have to deal with all that. And I get that. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to, you're, what's the saying about you, whatever your priority is that were that's the garden grows. If where you, feed, you where you water, water it. it. Yes, right. the grass is green where you mow it, baby. Right. right. Yes. So, I mean, if you if it's a priority to you, mm -hmm. then, you know, that's something that you really have to um to make a priority. Right. You know? And it's and it's hard and it's exhausting. And I'll tell you where I where I really if I'm really honest where I learned this is I'm remarried. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in your first marriage you have little ones and you do, you take a pass. You're like, you know, Love ya, you know, we'll, we'll get there, right? But when you get remarried, mm -hmm. and now you're really trying to keep that relationship connected and strong, it's, it just becomes kind of glaring in your face, yes. that disconnection, and you're putting the kids first, and you kind of have, I kind of felt like I had somebody there looking at me like, hello, yeah, when, whenever, yeah like whenever you get a minute. Right. And so I realized, so we're gonna give you some of the tools that I know I've used that helped my marriage stay connected and that are good, the first one being, um, Ashley had said, what do you do about babysitting expenses? It's really expensive now. It might be $15 an hour. You add dinner and all of that. It might be a $200 night or $150 night. And I get people saying, I can't do it. But here's the thing. Let's think about play dates. You're there with your three and five year old. These other families are there with their four and seven year old. You're talking, you're chatting, you become friends. You're together every Saturday. Why not say, hey, you never get to see your spouse, right? Me either. Our kids love each other. I trust you, you trust me. How about every Friday, or how about next Friday, I take my kids to your house, you have them, the kids play all night, they've gone from eight to 11, we grab dinner and a movie and we pick them up at 11, and the following Saturday, I do drop yours you. at mine. Now we know that we're safe, we're adults, we trust each other, no expense involved. Mm -hmm. The kids have a ball, they're not screaming and crying, they're like, bye mom. Yeah. Right. So I call it babysitting swapping and I think I want to make it viral in the world. <laughs> I think it's a great idea and we do it. We see these people all the time, right? right? You know, we, we, that's part of the problem. We have such, and I, I am so guilty of this. We have such a problem asking for help. Help. And oh. if you realize the other mothers and you know, I'm a single mom now. So I, there are a lot, I have a lot of other single mother friends yes. and like I reached out to one of them and they reached out to me and it's like, oh my gosh, why did we not think of this before? Oh. Because you just think I can do this myself, but really there are so many other people in your boat. They're going through the exact same thing that you're going through. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, I think that is a good lesson. The other thing that I did was we, um, 
you know, at my kid's school, it goes up to eighth grade. And so what we would do was get like an eighth grader at the school. And eighth graders are dying to babysit. They love little kids. And you're, the little kids love the eighth graders yes. because, you know, they yes. look up to them. They want to be them. And so in eighth grade, they're about 13, which I think is a perfect age to yeah. start babysitting. Yeah. And you, you pay them 10 bucks an hour. Yes. You know, you agree or you say, I'm going to pay you 30 bucks for the night. And yeah. if you stay a little bit longer, you know, then fine. But, right. you know, there, there are ways to get around that cost and I think a lot of people use that as an excuse well yeah I mean you, you spend $30 on your nails and you don't even blink an <laughs> right, eye right exactly. and you're like I can't afford a babysitter or that, or that Starbucks coffee habit right, once or that a month, pair of shoes know? and you right. have 11 pairs of shoes right. I might can identify with that right. I love what you just said Suzanne because it's really about asking for help and when you think about it, that's why I came up with the babysitting swapping because I know people won't ask for help mm -hmm. they feel like a burden they don't want to ask oh well my friend doesn't have kids so they're not going to want to help me well you know what if they don't have kids they probably like that in their life every now and then to be around kids right. you know but we're so afraid to ask for help so that is a great point you know what I did want to talk about on this segment too because I think well what you know I don't have young kids anymore but if I still you know but how do you continue to connect with your spouse mm -hmm. and I think you know I think there's such I think we have an anger problem in this country, first of all. But I also think we have an anger issue, a lot of us, in our relationships because we get we build it up and resentment resentment yes yes and and not feeling like the other person is hearing you or or sees where you're coming mm -hmm. from or I'm working too and my you know I have just as much going on as you do and so why can't you take out the trash or why can't you help me with the kids or whatever right. it is and so I think there's a that builds up right so you had kind of talked about some of the ways to deal with that. Yes. And I loved your idea because she just had a segment on CBS 12 about this. And I really loved what you said because it makes so much sense. Right. So what you're talking about is the power struggle that mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. I've done everything for the kids today. You roll in. You just want to sit on the couch, whatever. Mm -hmm. We're getting into this resentment. We're getting into the power struggle. Well, I did this. Well, I worked until 9 o'clock and mm -hmm. I haven't even eaten today. And we get into this. And so one of the things that I love that I feel like in my marriage that we've done, and it's from lots of coaching and information and the Imago theory and books, is that I worry about him and he worries about me and everybody gets taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so this concept that when you're starting to feel resentful, to tune into your spouse and start thinking about, you know, what are they going, okay, he worked till nine, he didn't get lunch, he feels like a bad father because he hasn't seen the kids all day. He already knows I'm resentful, so he's a little afraid to come home, and he's tired, and he's angry because we haven't been intimate in weeks. Mm -hmm. And stepping into that other person's skin and then saying to yourself, how can I make it better for them? So on their way home, you call them, and instead of saying, are you coming? Mm -hmm. It's 9 o'clock. Hey, have you eaten? Because there's some leftovers. Let me. Are you almost near home? Let me go ahead and get those hot and ready for you. Yeah. Giving to them what you would want them to give to you. And after a little bit of time, maybe say you do that for a month where you're really focused on taking care of them, then you can bring up, you know what? I think we need to focus on taking better care of each other. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to just really focus on your needs. I know I have the kids and all that, but, you know, maybe squaring away dinner, maybe doing a load of laundry for you, trying to tune into what you need. And I wonder if on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, you can it could be all party. about me those days, and you can yeah. be focused on me. And that comes from the Imago uh, weekend, and it's to practice and train for getting out of the what about me. Yeah. Well, it's not fair. To, if you take three days, you don't get to think about yourself for three days. It pulls you out of the struggle. But you have to have that conversation, and I think 
that's a, the problem with a lot of people is that we just want the other person to give, but you really need to sit down and have a conversation with that person about how you're feeling mm -hmm. and how you want what you want this to look like, right. you know? And right. so I think with, you know, I hate to say this, but with men, you have to be very specific. <laughs> <laughs> We're not male bashing. It's no. not that you guys aren't no, smart, but, but. No, but they can't read our minds. And I think yeah. a lot of women, you know, I am very guilty of this. Think, well, can't they, don't they just know that's how I'm feeling about oh, it, you know? And you yes. get so frustrated, but they really don't know. No, they're not actually psychic. No. And psychic so marriage. You really have to, I mean, I think women are maybe a little more intuitive, so maybe our girlfriends see it, but I don't know if our, our husbands or our spouses always see it. Right. No, so it's about asking for your needs, mm -hmm. and it's about the way you communicate, which I think you're highlighting, which is, I feel statements and everybody makes fun of it, but it's so true. If you say to somebody, I can't believe you did not take out the garbage again. It's been four nights. It stinks to the high heavens. I have to do everything. Or you just grab the garbage and take it out the door <laughs> stop, stop, and make sure stop. you slam the door behind you. Because <laughs> that really works. Yes. <laughs> then they really know you're pissed off. That's the message then. He doesn't even have to be psychic then. I might have done that a couple of times. <laughs> so Suzanne's a wee bit passive aggressive. So yes, to say, you know, I really feel frustrated when you don't get to take the garbage out because then it stinks and I, it's four days and it's hard enough playing with the kids outside without that smell. And so I feel statements really help them to not be so defensive and reactive. Hold on. Let me just turn that phone off. <laughs> Who's calling Be right back. Really? Hold that line. <laughs> Who, when does a house phone ring? What is this? 1972? Like, what what I have a house phone. phone. I know. Who has a house phone? It's... Don't go looking up her number. You know, you know, the only reason I have it is because of 911. Like, I'm always, oh, I fear, yeah. like, that something's going to happen at the house and then your cell phone won't work. Yes. And It'll so... be a conspiracy. Right, right. <laughs> They'll cut your cell phone line. <laughs> exactly. I've seen the movies, okay? <laughs> All right, we digress. So does anyone well, have any questions? All of our two live viewers right now, do you have yes. any questions? Hi, Sam. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. Yeah. Hi, Glenn. I am mad as hell <laughs> and not, not going to take, take it, it anymore. anymore. That's so true. I mean, yes. you know, you just get in this. I, I think we have to take ourselves out because you, what, it's not a, um, in a relationship like that, it's not a, what did he do for me and what did I do for him? And I think it's really about what's the end game. The right. end game is to feel connected to that person right. and continue to want to be married to that person and right. want to be with that person. Right. And sometimes you have to give a little more mm -hmm. than, than you get. But I think that's gonna that all balances itself out throughout the relationship. I love know? the concept when people say relationships are 50-50. No. no, they're not. They're 100%. And at any given point, you're giving 70, they're giving 30, they're giving 80, you're giving 20. That's really what a relationship mm -hmm. is. You know, when you're not feeling well, I know I went through a long period of time where I wasn't feeling well. My husband did 90%. I did 10%. But you know what? If we stay married, I'm sure there's going to come that time for him. Mm -hmm. And so it's give and take. Um, so just to kind of... to. Well, I just lost my train of thought. I was going to refresh on something that we said a minute ago. Oh, you were talking about date night. Right. That is so important. So one of the ways, Ashley, that you, you said yourself, it feels so great when we do date night to do it once a week. Now, here's the deal. You know, if you set date night for every Wednesday or every Friday or every Saturday, the kids are going to be sick, what, 
twice, yeah. a, twice a month. <laughs> right? right? You're going to knock out two right off the bat. But if you shoot, it's like shoot for the stars and you'll clear the trees. If you set that date night every Friday, yeah. then you might get to two a month, which mm -hmm. is fantastic, yes. right? To be able to connect every 14 days. Because I'm going to be honest, when you don't do date night, you don't connect. Right. You no, know, you, you don't. just don't, right? No. You have to have that alone time. My other secret weapon is... Again, people make it about money, but you don't have to go on vacation. Nobody mm -hmm. gets a vacation with a three and a five year old, mm -hmm. but there is a hotel 10 minutes from your um, house mm -hmm. or 20 minutes on the beach or somewhere fun. You get one night, you take one night, you leave at you know, noon on Saturday and you come back at four on Sunday. And if you can get one night in a hotel, laying by the pool, having a drink, having dinner, having a little intimacy, you're completely reconnected by the time you go home on Sunday. And there's a great app for that. It's called Hotels Tonight. And Ooh. what they do is they give you um, the hotel for all the hotels in your area. You put in whatever wow. city you're in. Yeah. All the hotels for your area. And they're totally reduced because they're trying to get rid of those rooms for that one night. Wow. So you can go and get really nice luxury wow. hotels for 99 bucks or wow. whatever. I mean, some as low as like 79 bucks a night. And I mean, come on. Yeah. If you, you get the day at the pool, you get, yeah. you know, to hang out with your spouse, you get a night alone. Yeah. And it really is a great way to to get away, but you're not going that far. No. So if your kids yeah. need you, if something happens, at right least you're there. right there. Yeah, you know? it's just about the connection. And it even is. on that note, I, I'm going to say this, but I, I have to be honest, even as I say it, I don't I don't believe it's all that possible. <laughs> I'm about to say something I'm I don't to believe say something true. I have no hope in. But boundaries. I learned this again by being in a second marriage where you get we give too much to our children. Yeah. I'm sorry, millennials, again, tune out on this, but we give too much. We just give and give and give and give, and mm -hmm. we do. We're up until eleven trying to put them to bed or whatever. So to have those rituals that honor the marriage, that you start shooting for that eight o'clock bedtime. I know if your kids are hyperactive and sometimes or they're sick, it might be ten. But if you're shooting for seven or eight, if you're shooting for that bedtime, under the premise that I'm going to get them in bed, I'm going to start at seven thirty. They're in bed by eight thirty. I've got an hour left to give, and I sit on the couch with my spouse and we talk. Yeah, and you know the other thing that a lot of parents do, and I am so guilty of this. I got into this routine with my children is letting them sleep in my bed, uh -uh. and I have to tell you, it, it it's very. Once you start that, you can't get them out. I will no. tell you that, but to. But in order to really, you have to create boundaries. And so what, what I started doing with my kids, because you going through the divorce yeah. then, you feel guilty yep. because you're like, they've already been through so much. Yep. You know, I don't want to do that to my kids and yes. kick them out of my bed. Guilt parenting. Yeah. There's a name for this. Guilt um, parenting. But what I started to do was say, okay, kids, listen, on Friday nights, you can sleep in my bed. That's your one night a week, but every other night you have to be in your in your bed. And it was challenging, you know, at first, but I would stay in there with them yeah. until they would go to sleep and then I said, "Okay, now you can go to bed on your own," yeah. you know. And giving rewards too. Rewards are really big. If right. you stay in your bed for mm -hmm. Five, five nights minutes. in a row, we'll go to Walmart or <laughs> you can order something off Amazon or, you know, whatever it is, but at least you have, they're, they're getting a reward for doing that kind of thing. I love that. That's that, that is such a perfect example of mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. We give up even our sleep. Even our bed. Yeah. Our, even our you're bed. You're not sleeping well with two no. kids and a dog in and the bed. And a foot right here. There's a foot right here and an arm here. Oh my gosh. It's bad. 
I had that last night because Friday night is their night to sleep in the bed. They still uh, sleep in the bed with me. Yeah, I and know. they look forward to it, and it's they a do. nice treat. But how nice that you set that boundary yes. so that you can sleep the other six nights, right? right? And they get to kind of refill. So that's a great tool for people is stop giving 192%. Mm-hmm. Start setting those boundaries and picking that special day. And that's, again, we could get off on a whole other tangent about millennials and being so instant gratification focused. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait five days until it's your night, you know, seven days until it's your next time to sleep with mom. It gives you something to look forward to. And that delayed gratification is great parenting. I have to tell you that it's not just millennials who want instant gratification. (laughs) Like I might be guilty of that too. Well, well, you know why I say that? Because, you know, we talk about generations. I was raised in a home that didn't have a lot in regards to money and things like that. So my mom would make me, I'd say, oh, I want guest jeans. And she'd say, oh, I want you to have guest jeans. We'll get them for Easter. And it would be October. Yeah. And so that was one of, I attribute that to be one of the greatest things about my level of appreciation in life. I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful and appreciative. And I don't always see that in millennials. Yeah. So that delayed gratification. But yeah, I think that we're all we're all trained now that we want a new iPhone and we want a new download and we want everything right now because that's how it's working. But yeah, and talking about that, you know, what I've done with my kids is, you know, we don't do they don't just get things, you know, I think like, you know, a lot of kids, I I was probably the same way growing up, but but my parents didn't have a lot of money either. So we didn't like just go buy things, you know, but they, we go to the grocery store and they want something for themselves at the, I'm like, you're getting food. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) I only have, I only have three requirements as a parent to clothe you, to feed you and to put shelter over your head, you know? I love that. And so what I, what I do is tell them you can use your own money and they do if you want something other than you know for your birthday or for Christmas or for a special holiday then you know you're getting you spend your own money and they know that I do not veer from that so that's one of my boundaries is you have to spend your own money if you want something special for yourself right outside of birthday or a special holiday right which is a great tool and we're on a whole nother segment now because we we both have enough ADD (laughs) so bringing it back to what you asked Ashley so connection with spouse babysitting swapping Mm -hmm. is one thing date night every week Mm -hmm. trying to give less to the children save something for your spouse getting together setting a time frame whether it's at the end of the night or the morning maybe getting up a little early that I can never do that but you know trying to find that window of time that you're sitting for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and connecting and sharing a lot of people do that to get the kids to bed maybe sit on the back porch for just 20 minutes Mm -hmm. right put the phone down Put the TV down and just sit and do 20 minutes together. Those rituals are really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and set, boundaries. Did you setting say boundaries? firm boundaries with the kids so that yeah. you're not, you know, like not letting them come into your bed. You bring up a really, another kind of tool, Suzanne, would be looking at the, the things that are blocking you yes. from connecting. So if the kid is literally blocking you because he's sleeping between you, right. that is something to really work on. And I know... I remember it well getting up every hour. My kids didn't sleep until they got, you know, Hannah's in college now. She's taking a nap pretty soon because she's a sleeper now. But we lost that. Yeah, no, we didn't do any of that growing up. But I'm glad you're going to sleep now. 
But so sleeping, for example. Oh gosh, you're totally shaming your daughter on Facebook Live right now. I love it. I love you. Know, but yeah, like getting up. I know it's a big challenge to get up and take them back to bed and lay down with them. And, and you're exhausted, but it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it so that you can keep that connection with that person in bed next to you. So there's not a child in between you. So those yeah. are sacred moments that you don't think about. But that's, I mean, that can be sometimes the only place you connect. Yeah. Should we talk about intimacy? Yes. Of course we should talk about yeah. intimacy. <laughs> intimacy. I mean, I do think sex is really important, important as a connector. And I'm not putting any pressure because at the end of the day, when you have small children, those statistical numbers are really low. But I will tell you one of my favorite friends, and I'm not going to out her live, but one of my favorite friends she reminded me about scheduling. Like you have to schedule sex when you have small children. You mm -hmm. have to schedule that, you know, Sunday when they're at whatever, you know, the birthday party or whatever, making those scheduled times. And I think having it at the same time every week, although not sexy, is also kind of important because we're good at routine. Yeah. We're good at routine. You know what? I think that date night that you do once a week, I mean, you know, it really makes it easier and like you want to have sex with that person right. when, you know, yeah. when you're going out together and you feel connected. I mean, it makes it better than when you're coming home after a day of work and you're exhausted and you've just yes. had the kids all day or whatever it is, you know, it, it yeah. makes it easier. So when you, when you create that time with your spouse or your loved one, I think it really, it, it makes that that easier. You want to be intimate. With that them. sounds like a lot of pressure to me, though. I got to be honest. A date night and sex. <laughs> really? I think we should separate. Oh my God! <laughs> if you're not having sex on date night, when are you having it? <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm sure you come home. The kids are still awake, and you have really? to get them to bed. Well, then no, park in the gonna... car or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think she's more adventurous than I am. So date night, get dinner, do it in the back of the car, and then get home to the kids. <laughs> That's what we got oh, for you. Oh, gosh. Is there anything else we can <laughs> recommend? <laughs> All right. No, let's talk more about intimacy. <laughs> there is a book I want to recommend. I know that you have no time to read, but what I love is this concept of um, downloading things now and on yeah. Audiobox, I think I don't it know. is. I or... still like a good old-fashioned book. I know. I like to touch it, too, but yeah. when you have kids, like if you're driving for work, maybe you drop the kids off at daycare or school, and then you're driving 30 minutes, you can listen in the car. It's called Making Real love happen and it's you know from somebody who does the imago stuff and you know which is the theory that I work under that's so wonderful but it's which I think you need to explain pe to people what the imago theory is because I really love this concept mm -hmm. and it makes so much sense um, it really makes so much sense about who you're attracted to yes. who is best for you yes yeah. so, so yeah and I guess this is good basic information to know if you're working on being in the power struggle so Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen LaKelly Hunt, I believe it is, um, came up with this theory maybe 30 years ago, and their story is really beautiful. They both found themselves in a divorce with kids, and they were never going to be divorced. You know, they did everything right, and, and so they found themselves in a divorce, and then a remarriage, and they were, you know, having struggles, and they were trying to figure out, well, how did this happen to us? How did we end up divorced? Right. We never planned on this. And so they started doing the research and studying, and, and what they came up with, I think, is brilliant, which is that... It's no coincidence who we're attracted to, and this is all in the book, Getting the Love You Want, A Guide for Couples. But basically, it's no coincidence who we're attracted to when we have unresolved wounding from childhood. And for those of you right now that are going, oh, this oh, is Oh, my crap. job is perfect. I'm not wounded. <laughs> I just want to say one thing to you. Eighth, eighth grade? Eighth grade? Did that not wound you? Because... 
you know, right. if you didn't get wounded in eighth grade, congratulations. And just because you had an, or you think you had an idyllic childhood, there was always something going on that, that, yeah, that, that was difficult. Was difficult. Right? And so really this is, the theory is not picking on parents. It's mm -mm. picking on the world. And that's why I tease about eighth grade. I mean, I remember being left out of social groups or the boy that I had a crush on kissed the girl that was my best friend the whole ride home on the oh. bus from whatever. Don't make that's me cry, wounding. Suzanne. That's wounding. That was wounding. Oh. He picked her and she was my bestie. So stuff like that happens. We get wounded. And then what we decide is that we're not good enough, less than, right? So we have these wounds. Rejection, abandonment, not good enough, mm -hmm. invisible, smothered. You know, some of us, I have a boy. I mean, God, you just want to hug him and hold him all the time. And the boy's like, get off, get off me, of me, right? Yeah. So smothering. So it's all these wounds that occur. They occur in developmental stages. And when you go into the world, you will be attracted to somebody who has the similar traits of your caregivers and the environment that you grew up in, who has the potential to wound you in the exact same, same way, way. <laughs> as you were wounded in your childhood. So for example, if you have a tendency to be rejected. That's or, why they say like, you know, you marry your father or you marry your mother because maybe your mother or your father was you know, Busy. wasn't there all right. the time. Yeah. And so what you're attracted to is probably that guy right. that isn't there all the time, right. you know? So you get, you are attracted to, to what you know. Well, you're attracted to what you know, but what I love about it, so brilliant, is you're attracted because you're trying to complete something. You want to heal. Our subconscious brain wants to feel better. Mm -hmm. We want to get what we didn't get when we needed to get it. So you will choose somebody and go, hey, this looks familiar. This person can totally heal me because they're just like what I came from. Mm -hmm. Problem is, they're just like what, what you, you came, came from. from. And so, it, and if they can be a great person, but if they're unconscious, mm -hmm. they will wound you again and again and you will wound them. Here's the catch. The Imago theory helps the marriage be conscious recognize I'm wounding you because I'm controlling to you like your mother was. Mm -hmm. You're wounding me because you're running from me when I control you and you're making me feel abandoned. We talk about it, we figure it out, and we stop wounding each other. We heal each other. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it, it really is putting yourself in the other person's shoes, which at the end of the day, because you're not realizing that by not answering the text immediately right. that you're go it's going back to an abandonment or a, an issue they had as a kid it's really not they're trying to control you and say why aren't you using my text right away right. it's really about them being hurt by that right and when you can recognize that and say listen i recognize that but you know, I'm also very busy during the day and I may not be able to answer your text right away, but know that I still love you and still want to be there for you. Well, that's so. perfect description. And, and then what Imago would do one step more with that is say, okay, but you're very busy, but would you be willing to check in at 10 and two for two minutes? Right. Hey, I just got off the news. Just making sure you're good. Oh, I'm great, honey. You did a great job. Thanks. That so feels much. very controlling. <laughs> Simple, not easy. Simple, not easy. I have easy. commitment issues. Yes. 
But you know what? You know why she would do it? She would do it when she had genuine empathy and compassion and the person sitting across from her was crying because the last thing they remember as a child is that when they didn't get that call back from their father, he was killed in a car accident. Yeah. Then would you do it? Right. Done. See? Yes. So empathy and compassion for where the other person's coming from. Putting yourself in their shoes. And you know, that's just not for someone you're in a relationship with, but really for everyone that you come into contact with. Because I've always said, like one of my things, and I have this as my um, screensaver on my computer, is you never know the battles that someone is facing. Or it says something like that. It says always be kind. Always be kind because you never know what's going on in someone else's life. And someone's always fighting a battle. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everyone thinks, like we talked about this, everyone thinks... You're a therapist. You've got it all figured out. You don't find anything because you know how to deal with it immediately, you know, but you deal with things that you have to, you know, work through every single day. And I'm the same way. You know, we have to work through these things, but, um, that's my favorite expression. And I've, I've really worked on because what we tend to do, which you're highlighting is that we tend to get focused on ourselves. When we feel in crisis, we tend to be like, that's not fair. And I'm doing this. And so stepping into the other person's shoes when I was younger, I was so codependent. We'll do that segment in a minute. <laughs> That's our next segment. That's our next segment. <laughs> Hold tight. Um, I was so codependent that I everything was about me because I felt responsible for everything. For so everyone. Down to the public's clerk, I'm not kidding with you, that if they were rude, I would literally walk out muttering like, I don't know what I did. Why, why is she mad at me? I didn't say oh anything gosh. wrong. I was so responsible for the world. Right. So one of the techniques that I started using is that when I started to feel that sad feeling of why are they being so cold or mean, I would say to the literally the public's clerk, are you having a bad day? And boy, what you would hear. She would yeah. say, oh my goodness, both my children were sick last night. They were up vomiting all night. I haven't slept in three days. Right. I have to be here because I don't have any money and I need to pay rent on Friday. And then it's just like, oh my goodness. Gosh. A, it's not about me. Right. And B, to have compassion and empathy. Right. And I built so many connections with people that way. But I had to pause and say, this is not personal. Right. It never is. It's never about you. Mm-mm. You know, when someone else is angry or lashing out or unkind or rude it's never it's never about you and especially with your spouse they're getting triggered they're dealing with their own battles they're Mm -hmm. feeling guilty and and shameful and all kinds of stuff so don't take it personally do be curious and interested in getting to know what's going on for them try to have empathy and compassion i feel statements if you're going to communicate something instead of being shaming or critical i feel statements right Yeah, I mean, I think that's all great advice, and uh, I think we've had a good Facebook Live today. (laughs) All right, thank you all for for watching. Yeah, for tuning in, and don't forget, we want to hear your um, your questions. We want to know what you're dealing with in your life. If Shannon can give you any great tools, please, please, please leave us comments, like our page, like our videos, and please share if you have a moment. If you know someone who's struggling with um, some of the issues we talked about today. Please, please, please share our video. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you. We're going to tr- hit finish. <laughs> Here we Bye. go. Bye, Jasmine.